this down just a little bit. Last week, I talked on guilt and regret. And I, the week before that, I had talked about a, a portion of Scripture that, that was in Luke chapter 12. It was one of those places that, that's uncomfortable to us because when we see how God operates in Scripture, sometimes it doesn't always line up with what our thinking is. So tonight, I got another one. I'm sorry for you. I'm going to just apologize in advance. I will guarantee you I'm going to probably offend a couple of you. Hopefully, you've already put your money in the tithe envelope. <laughs> just joking. I don't take anything from there anyway. You may not feel tonight like you're in a place of victory. You may not feel tonight as though you have any victory at all in your life. You may feel tonight as though everything is mounted against you. You may feel at times like you cannot go on. Then tonight's message is for you. I want to give you a word for those who feel like they are in a tough situation. Stressful. Difficulty. The adversary is all over you. You are physically, spiritually, financially, and relationally afflicted. This message is for you. Now I will tell you tonight, I would much rather be talking to you about heaven. I would much rather be talking about angels gathering around us and all those things. But that would be my choice. But the problem is, and I'd rather really talk about the heavenly host. But tonight, the Spirit of God wants us to know that there is something about this, 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 this situation in our life that He wants to get us through. If I had a choice, we would be in a different situation. I'm sure all of us would rather change those circumstances. To those of you who aren't in it right now, this message tonight, you go, well, that's not me. I will tell you right now, if, you're, if you have the fire of God burning in your heart, you will be there eventually. Okay? So I'm not speaking death over you. I'm just going to give you truth. The Bible talks about it. So if you're not in the fire, you're probably close to it. If you just circled and you just got out of it, get ready because there's probably another round coming. <laughs> Tough times come for all of us. Those of us who are religious and live on a different plane, this isn't for you. Those of you who don't have difficulty, those of you who all you do is live in this positive place, then tonight's message isn't for you. I could probably go ahead and just dismiss you right now and say you're fine. <laughs> but for the rest of us who are in the battle, tonight this word is for you. See, there's a theology that has been taught for years, and I was one of those that kind of embraced it because it sounded good. See... We've, we've been taught that the blessing, the hand of God, everything is going to go good for you. There's going to be no problems. There's going to be no afflictions. So tonight, what I want you to understand is there is affliction that's by design. What are you talking about, Greg? Well, get with, hang on with me because we're going to go through this tonight. It doesn't mean that you're in sin. It doesn't mean you lack faith. It doesn't mean you have fear or doubt. It, just, it means that, you know what? The enemy has come after you. The enemy has put a, a target on your back and you're under, it, but you're under the gun because of how you're living for God. See, this is what I was talking about. You know what? See, some of you are already, you're, you're looking over at your wife and you're saying, you know what? I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. This, see, all this Christian radical stuff, all it's going to do is get us into trouble. See, I was told that I could coast along and ride the river of blessing and everything would be fine. But here I am, got this radical up there in, this, in the pulpit, and he's telling me I'm going to have to go through it. Well, I want you to know that this wasn't just me speaking. Let's go to Jesus' words. John 16, 33. I have told 
told you these things. He's talking to His disciples. He's not talking to the masses. He's talking to His disciples here. He says, I have told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That world trouble there, it actually is also translated tribulation. See, and if He didn't just say it once to us, He said it again in Mark 13, 13. He says, Everyone will hate you because of Me. But the one who stands firm until the end, he will be saved. See, I want you to understand tonight, Israel was set in the Old Testament in a place of... They were set right in the middle of all these enemies. Just, I want you to get this picture tonight because I think if you get this picture of what God was doing with Israel, you'll see that it's, it's, it's for us today. He did not put them in the, in the, in the realm of all kinds of friends. He put them in a place where everybody around them, including till this very day, wants to destroy them. They are bent on their destruction. Even right now in the Middle East, every, every country that surrounds them has their guns aimed right at Israel. Why is it that we think though, that when we come to Christ, it's going to be just this happy, lolly, fun time when that's what they had to go through. Why would it be any different for us? See, they are the chosen of God. They were placed in this place by God. Israel has no friends. She is hated. Her enemies are poised against her. Ezekiel 5.5 says this, Thus saith the Lord God, This is Jerusalem. I have set it in the midst of nations and countries that are round about her. God says this, I placed her right there. No one else. I put her right there. Where I have placed you tonight is designed by God. The place of affliction that you may be in tonight is designed by God. See, God placed His chosen people in this, in this location with their enemies all around them. It's not by coincidence. It's not by accident. Some of you have said to yourself, if God really loved me, why would He put me in this place where no one would like me? I want to be liked. I want friends. I want favor. Why would God put His precious... Israel right in that place among their enemies. Well, David said it like this in Psalms 23.5. He says, Thou preparest a table in the presence of mine enemies. You want to have dinner with friends most of the time, don't you? Yeah. Hmm. See, God says, I'm going to prepare a table with your enemies. Some of you tonight are going, I don't know about this. Okay, well, let's just keep going a little bit further. Let's see what, what God does with these people. In, in, in Psalms 18.17, David says this, He delivered me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me and those who were too mighty for me. See, the insinuation that David makes here is that the enemies are camped all around him. The place that you have been placed, Noah, Bo, Ashley, Greg, we have been placed exactly where God wants us. Enemies all around us. God placed Ignite right here. Right here in this spot. Do you think it's by accident? No way. God said, you know what? Where I want my church 
is not behind a gate in a gated community. I want my church right in the middle of where the devil resides. See, many... David said it like this. He says, Many have become my enemies without cause. Those who hate me without reason are numerous. Israel was put in a place where she'll never be liked. The favor of God will cause men to hate you. Now, I don't mean that you have to be obnoxious about it. Let me just take a little tangent here for a second. Sometimes our mouths, sometimes our actions, sometimes our pride, sometimes our cockiness and the things of God cause these attitudes towards us, and those are not from God. Sometimes we actually do things to contribute to our affliction. What are you talking about? When you don't make your car payment and your car gets repoed, that isn't on God, that's on you. Okay? When we eat junk food... And we think we're going to be all healthy. We're not. <laughs> See, sometimes we put ourselves in the very affliction. God, we, we contribute actually to, to what's going on. So what I'm going to tell you tonight is don't do it. Stop it. Don't place yourself in peril. The enemy already has you, your target on you. That's the only one we need to have because God will guard that one. When we do things ourselves, sometimes we pay the consequences of those things. Some of you have been hunched over. Life has beaten you down. You're tired. You're worked over. You're about ready to say, Uncle. But I want you to know, I want you to look at the children of Israel. Here they were in the land of milk and honey. And all around them is every kind of vile and wickedness that you could ever think of. God has placed you right where you're at today. He has placed you to be a living sermon, a living sacrifice. You are in this place not by accident, but you are, you're going through this by design. We are the light. We are the salt. He has given you enough grace. He has given you enough strength. He has given you enough perseverance. He has fortified you, and He shall deliver. God has placed His people in hostility, sworn to see their destruction. They don't like you because of the Spirit of God in you. They don't like you because you refuse to compromise. Don't give in. Stand. Be faithful and true. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Now, this doesn't sound like what I've been used to hearing in church. See, I thought it was going to be blissful when I came to Christ. That's the message that I was told. I was told on TV that I might even be rich and prosperous if I give my life to Christ. Everything is going to work for me. But I want you to know tonight, that is part of the gospel. But the other part of the gospel is, this is how it's going to be when you put yourself in a position going to battling with the enemy. One, asked, one man asked me for prayer for a job one time. I remember I prayed for him specifically. He said, Greg, I need a job. So we began to pray. We began to pray specifically. And God opened the door and gave him a job. And he was working in that job just for a short time. He had been there just a couple weeks. And he came back to me and he goes, Hey, Greg, what did you do? I wanted a job from the Lord and here I am. All these guys I work with are heathen. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly where God wants you. See, God designed it for you to be in a place where you could be light, where you could be salt. See, if we all dance around and prance around with other salty people, it doesn't get on anybody else. He wants us to take it to the world. 
See, God is looking to see if we'll stand. He wants, us, he wants to prove us. He's proving. He wants to test us to see what's in our hearts. Oh, Greg, I don't think I've heard that before. Well, then let's look at Deuteronomy 8.2. Remember how the Lord your God led you. Mm. Wasn't the devil leading him, it's the Spirit of God. Led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. See, God wants to demonstrate His love through us, His power through us. He wants to use us. And as He, he, he doesn't have to prove it. He's not really having to prove it to Himself. But as He proves it in our life, faith arises in us. That same word, God used about Abraham. He says, God tested Abraham in Genesis 22.1. See, many of us up to this point have coasted through this spiritual experience and we know because we haven't got into the fight yet. It looks different. This isn't what I expected. I've heard about things like this, but I didn't know that this, was, this really existed. See, you were made for this. The weapons you were given were, were, were for us to do offensive against the enemy. See, but the problem is, most of our churches and most of us have been playing at recess. We haven't been in the battle. We go to recess every day. That's what church looks like. We're not in the battle. We're not fighting the enemy. We're not making inroads. And sometimes, that's a good place to be because you know what? The enemy leaves you alone. But the problem is, it's sure lukewarm in there. You don't know him. Because those who really know Him are doing what His Word says. The enemy isn't worried about those who aren't making an impact. But when the fire of God burns in your belly, that's when you are marked by the enemy. Many a preacher today lives in a gated community. This was never by his design. Many a church is built in a safe neighborhood. It wasn't by God's design. God wants to plant us in the midst of our enemies so He can bring the presence of God. Because where there's an absence of the presence of God, the enemy will run rampant. So let the heathen rage. He will protect us. Let the ungodly roar. God will be strong on our behalf. See, I don't, I don't want to get softer in general or Christianity. I want to fight. See, when there's no fight, there's no battle, there's no blood, there's just food, fellowship, and fun today. This is war. This is war. And war is hell. War is affliction. War is seeing people around you. Casualties. They didn't tell me it was going to look like this. Greg, they're shooting with real bullets. I want you to know tonight, God did not make provision for your defeat. God put Jerusalem in the midst where His adversary looks stronger than herself. But we haven't even activated His power yet. We haven't seen the day of the full onslaught of what God can do. He has given us the power of the Holy Ghost. He has given us all authority. Not to dish out our pretty convenient services, but to go into the streets, into the trenches, and get bloody and dirty with those who are there. Our flesh hates this. This is not comfortable. We want to run. We want peace and safety. Don't you understand, Greg? I have a family to raise here. They aren't ready for this. They aren't ready for battle. My wife barely carries on. Don't you understand here? She's barely making it. Or look at my husband. 
He can just barely do this. You don't understand. You're asking him to go to battle. All he wants to do is sit and watch TV. This isn't comfortable. The greater the increase in the kingdom of God, the greater the darkness. But the greater the light will be revealed. I'm talking tonight about a spiritual warfare that we haven't seen, that we haven't grown up in. We've, we've had all these pretty things, all these flowery messages. But God's saying, listen, I want you to get a hold of me. To get in that prayer closet. What is it that Scott, Scott told me this week? A, a, a godly man called him and said, because they were talking about Bible studies. And he says, listen, revival never started in a Bible study. Revival starts when people come together and pray, get on their face before God, worship Him, but it doesn't happen out of knowledge. Intellectual knowledge does not impress God. Increase, <laughs> Increase in our knowledge of God. If you're going forward aggressively in the anointing, know that the devil has a target on your back. As the prince and power of the air, Satan has access to you. He has certain things he can do to you. He can ensnare you. He can sift you. He can afflict you. But I want you to know tonight that these natural things are not the measure of spirituality. You are not victorious tonight because you are well in your body. You are not victorious tonight because you can't pay your bills. You are not victorious tonight because you don't have a fat wallet. You are victorious tonight because you belong to Him. You are a temple of the living God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I have victory because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. See, weeping may endure for a night, but what happens in the morning? Mm. Joy comes in the morning. See, I want you to understand tonight. Psalms 26.2 says this, Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Search me, O God. Psalms 139.23, And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See, in both the Old and the New Testaments, the word translated for testing means to prove by trial. Therefore, when God tests His children, there is a purpose. He wants to build real faith in your life. It's not because he needs to prove anything to himself. He knows. He already knows the outcome. Wouldn't you think it would be a lot easier if God would have just put Israel over there next to Utah? Well, think about it. You got the Mormons. At least, at least they have some of the same thought life. You know what I'm saying? You can at least identify with that. Or maybe over next to the Pope. At least, at least they'd have some things in common. But no. God says, no, look it. I want to put you in a place right here where it's, it's going to be nasty until the very end. This is where He's placing us. He's saying, listen. I'm going to put you in a place where you're going to be surrounded by the enemy. But guess what? Greater is He that's in me than He that's in this world. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. See, I'm like Israel in the midst of her enemies. Whoever wants to remove me will first have to impeach God. Mm. See, He's greater. 
He's greater. See, Numbers 11.23 says this, The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true. Isaiah 41.11 All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Isaiah 59.1 Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor His ear too dull to hear. See, there's anvils dropping on us constantly. Right, Billy? We walk out a door, and all of a sudden, where did that come from? See, we, sometimes we feel like this guy right here. Now, some of you who are older remember this guy. Okay? He could do nothing right. Every place he went, any, all he wanted to do was get himself a little meal. But he, everything was a battle for this guy. Some of our lives, we feel just like that guy. Does it look familiar? Because this is the reason. You've been down this road before. See, all of us have been down this road a time or two. It looks familiar because you know what? We've all been to that place where we were just about ready to give up. We were at the end of our rope. I couldn't go any further. I'm done. But you know what? God says, hey, look at you. You're going around that road again. There's no dead carcass laying there of you. You're still alive. I brought you through. See, blessing comes through these terrible experiences. It angers religious people. Where was the the location for God's hand to operate in your behalf? Is it during those good times? Or is it during those rough times? Some of us would say, well, if we're really spiritual, Greg, it should happen when we're in those good times. I agree with you. When I just buy a new car, or I got a new addition to my house, or my wallet is full, and all things are good, and I just bought a new boat to keep up with the Joneses who are next door to me, when all those things are going on, yeah, it would be great if I would give glory, and I would, but you know what happens? When the Lord says, hey, it's time to fast, and then you look over at your wife and say, you know, look, honey, everything is going too good right now for us to do a seven-day fast. What are you talking about? Hmm. See, our ears are dull during those times. They're filled with the things of the world. But when we're desperate, when we have to say, God, I have to have you. You know what? There's nothing else that's going to do this. I need your power and your presence in my life. That's when we're in that desperate place. That's when God says, that's when your ear is tuned to me. You can hear me real good right now, can't you? Mm. See, all those waves from the boat driving by, you can't hear him. The new muffler on your new truck. You can't hear him. When the doctors say there's no hope, when the money runs out, God opens heaven and He bears His arm. I will make a way. I will deliver you. Remember the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the Bible says that there was one more in there with them. What I want you to know tonight is you're not on your own. You are not on your own. Never judge your spiritual condition or your temperature based upon natural things. It's always determined by your position in the spiritual. What I tell you guys last night, see, when we ask God to forgive us, the record in heaven is cleared. He doesn't remember it. We can go back and talk to Him about it. Hey God, you remember what I did? He's like, I'm, 
<laughs> Sorry. That's gone. I don't remember it anymore. No guilt and no regret. Our spiritual temperature is not determined by what you see in this life. There are people you see right in this room tonight that are beat down, that don't look like they have a penny to their name, but they are more blessed. They live in more victory than some of us with big pocketbooks. Yes, there are times when our disobedience causes us to have to get back into alignment. But I want you to know tonight, James 1-2 says, consider it pure joy. We rejoice in these afflictions. We would all like to think that everything is good and going great for us. But in the midst of all these things, God says, listen, there are times when you're just going to have to battle through it. Religious folk would say to us, you know what? I don't think you understand what's going on here, Greg. But I want you to think about this. See, we will always find the path of least resistance. Think about this. When you can't pay your bills, what bill doesn't get paid? I guarantee you, your cigarettes get paid. Your booze get paid. Your cable TV gets paid. Your cell phone gets paid because you've got to talk to everybody about what everything is going on. You've got to know what's happening. <laughs> Last thing, tithe and rent. See, we will take the path of least resistance. If there's a way to go around it, we'll find it. We will always choose that way. That's why God says, listen, sometimes I guess you have to, you have to, get, you have to go through it. Yeah, I'd like it to be easy for... If, if I could design it, if I could design it, I would make it all easy for all of us. I would make the path just, just easy to go right through. But He says, no, listen, sometimes the path that I have you take isn't a direct line. You have to skirt through some things. See, we are ragged, we're torn up, we're beat, we're afflicted, but greater is He that's in me. Paul said it like this, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Why did he say that? He said it because the verse before that says, because we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. See, he's talking about, he's telling us tonight, listen, I don't want you just to, to follow me in your speech. I want you to follow me with all of your heart. See, if some of us, we talk about having the mind of Christ. But having the mind of Christ means that you withstand whatever the enemy throws at you. And I'm going to tell you right now, the afflictions that the enemy will bring will eat our lunch. And that's what we're fastened to him. If you're lukewarm and, war, and, and lukewarm and marginal, the enemy may have you already. This isn't an emotional experience. It's where our faith is to the one who holds the keys to hell and death. God positioned Israel right next to those who were diametrically opposed to her. They wanted to destroy her from the very beginning to the very end. Are you saying, God, Greg, then, that God planted me here in this 
hellish place I'm in? Yes. God's not up there right now biting His nails thinking, okay, what are you going to do? He knows. He's not... He knows that this situation is going to work for your good. It may not even be noble how you got to this place. I'm going to throw this out to you. Some of you are in this place of affliction or will be in a place of affliction not because of a noble thing but because you got yourself there by your own silliness or stupidity. But God can still use that. You are not defeated. God may have you in the hospital just so you can tell the neighbor who's next to you how, how good God is. God may have you in prison like Sahid just so you can tell the guards around you who Jesus is. See, I think we've, we've got to change our mindset about what affliction looks like on our lives. See, too many times we're busy moaning and groaning about the situation. Don't you see how bad I got it down here, God? We need to reevaluate this. See, Satan is the vehicle that God uses to bring what he wants to accomplish. You say, okay, well, let me, let's, let's talk about that, Greg. 1 Peter 4.12 Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So are you telling me tonight that it's God's agenda... To afflict me? Well, hang on with me. I told you I'd offend some of you early. Now I'm offending the later ones right now. Okay? I thought it was God's agenda to hide me from trouble. To make my life better. God knows what the end is going to be. He allows us to be exposed to affliction and even hellish situations so that our character can be refined. Are you suggesting... That God and the devil got together and discussed this thing about me? Or that God inspired it? Hang on, Greg. Now, I think you've went way too far. See, religious people tonight would say, there's two books that I don't agree with, James and Job. Well, let's go to Job. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Mm. I want you to think about this. This is what the story goes. God says to, to Satan, He says, What have you been doing? He says, I've been around the earth. I'm just checking things out. Okay. Have you considered <clears throat> my servant Job? Now, I would, thinking about Job, now I want you to think about this. This is, think about this conversation about you. Okay? Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on earth blameless and upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. You're talking about inspired affliction, Greg? You're talking about... My theology can't handle this tonight. Affliction by design. See, I want you to know tonight that the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him. This man was blameless and upright. It wasn't sin that caused this to happen. This was a godly man. Somehow, some of us tonight will probably think, well, alright, alright, so, 
God allows the enemy, the vehicle, to, to, to do these things to my life. Well, then at least God has to come down and immediately take care of it. Mm. Check Job's life out. See if that's what happened. See if, you know what, it just all of a sudden arbitrarily turned around to this godly and righteous man. See, sometimes we think that if we just acknowledge, okay God, I see what you're trying to do here. I see you're trying to get rid of this pride in my life. I'll be less prideful. Now, can I get out? No. Lord, I see what you're saying here about this. I can tell, I know where you're going with this. I even see what, where your direction is, what you want to do with me. Now, can I get out? No. I planted you. Let's go back to Israel. I planted you right here. Because I want you to be a vessel of honor to everything around you. I'm going to use Noah just for a second because when Noah moved into Sequoia Dawn, he could have had some of his, the nicer apartments. He told Le Leslie, or uh, was Christina at the time, he said, don't put me in the good one. Put me, <laughs> I want to basically right in the middle of hell. Put me where everybody is doing all the bad stuff. That's where I want to live. Because I want to be a light to that place. Somehow we think that everything's going to change just because of this. But I want you to understand, look at Israel. It's just, they're still surrounded by their enemy. So you mean I have to stay into this? Yeah. You might be at the end of your threshold. You might be at the place where you're saying, I can't go any farther. I can't go any longer, Greg. But God says, listen, I have a... I have a formula for you. It's this. I'm going to form in you. I am going to transform in you. I am going to sanctify in you by you going through this. So let me say this as we get ready to close. What am I not to do? What am I, what's the answer for all this? What are you trying to tell me, Greg? Well, maybe the answer is we're going to go back to Ezekiel 5, chapter 5. Maybe the, easy, the answer is not on what we, we do, but it's on what we, not, we don't do. Listen to this. Remember, they're always in the, in the Word of God. If you, you read the first part, but there's always a second part. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. To those who what? Don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, we love to throw the note, that part out, but here's what Ezekiel says there. He says, Thus saith the Lord, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of nations and countries that are round about her, and she hath changed my judgments into wickedness more than the nations around her, and my statutes more than the countries that are around her. For they have refused my judgments and my statutes. They have not walked in them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because ye multiplied, you were more than the nations around you, and you have not walked in my statutes. Neither, neither of you kept my judgments. Neither of you kept my judgments according to the nations around you. Therefore, thus saith the Lord. But even I, even I am against thee, and I will execute judgments in the midst of thee, in the midst of these nations. Isaiah, I read this scripture earlier. I said this: Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But then he says in verse two, we forget this part. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden your face from you so that He will not hear. So I want you to know tonight, listen, we can actually retard our spiritual growth. 
by allowing the enemy in these places. By not walking in obedience. See, Israel, their sin became greater than those around them. If you live in Sequoia Dawn and you're a light, if you live in Springville and you're a light, but you start looking more dastardly than those around you, God says, listen, I don't hear you. See, He's telling us, He's giving us the answer. He said, listen, I want to form in you something new. I want you to be my light. But I don't want you to look like the world. I don't want you to act like the world. I want you to be different and distinct. Some have gotten to this place by an adjustment to their souls because of sin. Others of us have gotten to this place by a testing of our faith. Either way, guess what? It's the same crucible. It's the same crucible of affliction. Yes, affliction by design. God loves those in Israel who are playing the game just as much as He loves you and I. And His... his He's not saying this. He's not saying this out of an anger. He's saying this to bring us in closer. Pray, but it sir sure feels like he's angry. Listen, <laughs> you don't know what God's anger looks like. We have no idea what God's anger looks like. Everything we see today is still his love, compassion, and mercy. If God wanted to, to bring his fire, we would not be around. Psalms 103 says this, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. God has your very best in mind. How far do you want to go with Him? Do you want to burn? I mean, burn with Him in the fire. Be on fire for God. Jesus says this, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'll be there with you. There's somebody else in that fire with you. There's somebody else that will go through that fire with you. Yeah, I may have to go through the crucible of affliction. It's affliction by design. Yeah, God and the, God and the enemy had to talk about it. But God knew. He said, look it. I see what you look like on the other side, Greg. Yeah, right now you look kind of beat up and afflicted. Yeah, you look like you're down and out. Yeah, your body's all decrepit in places. You're kind of hunched over. But you know what? You still got the victory. You still got the glory of God in you. You still got the power of God moving in your life. That's what I'm talking about. How far do you want to go with Him? Or are you satisfied tonight being lukewarm? That's the question for us tonight. Yeah, if you come to Jesus, I can't promise you it's going to be rosy and you're going to have all the money you want and everything else. I will tell you this though, you will have peace, you will have joy, you will have victory, you will have the presence of God indwelling in you like nothing else. I've told people and I say it here again, if you want to be a sinner, if you want to be lukewarm, you might as well go out and be the best sinner you can be. Because lukewarm does not mean Christian. He said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Tonight, tonight, where are you at? How far do you want to go? Who do you want to be in Him? 
I want you to know tonight that I can't promise you you come to Jesus or you rededicate your life to Jesus that everything is going to be perfect and rosy. But I can promise you this. There's peace above anything you can ever imagine. Let's all stand.